guys, here's another edition of TBB Talks. I'm Nana Evans here for the British Blacklist, and I'm joined by a great man called Giles. He is about to introduce himself to you and tell you a little bit about his play. I'm Giles Torreira. It's good to be here as always. This is my favorite <laughs> place to be. It's very, very good to be here. At the moment, I'm at the Barbican and I'm doing a, a play which I've written and I've co-directed and I'm performing in it. It's based on a true story. It's called The Meaning of Zong. Some people will be familiar with that name, Zong. It details the events of, of a, a massacre that took place on board a, a British slave ship in the 1780s. Now, the moment people hear that sentence, especially from our community, people can be like, no, don't want to, I don't want to. You know this, you know this, but, okay. But for me, the, the point I start out with this story is the fact that it, it's the story of a black man in London in 1783 called Alain Equiano, who hears about this and decides to do something about it. It's also about the people on the ship who fought back and who displayed resilience and who displayed genius and who displayed massive power in dealing with the situation which I find really 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 inspiring part of telling the stories wanted to honor that uh, as well as to learn from from th this experience but, but but essentially it's a story of a, of, of a small group of people in London who hear about this thing and try and do something about it now uh, for me when I look at this story I'm like this speaks to me now in 2023 there are so many things going on in our society which need looking at and which need addressing that for me, any story where you can look back in our history, recent or past history and say, OK, people can affect positive change, even in the most difficult circumstances. I think that's really important. I also think it's important if we're at a point in our history, in our society where if we're going to move forward in positive way, we need to really have an understanding about what our country has been and what the society that we're in has been historically. So for me, it's really an important story that I've had to tell and share with people. So was it like you kind of researching what happened with the Zong and then being like taking the parts of inspiration from that and creating a play around that? Is that the intention behind it? Uh, yeah, I heard about the basic facts of the story and right. the more I researched and I, I was, I didn't know about it. I wanted to know what this thing was. And the more I researched about it, the more I was like, this is incredible. When I read that there was someone on that ship in the trial that takes place off the back, if people know about it, there's this voyage that goes across to Jamaica. And when they get to Jamaica, the crew decides to throw some of the enslaved Africans, 132 of the enslaved Africans into the sea so that they can claim the insurance when they get back to Liverpool. Because the whole thing is based on insurance at that point. And that's when Alaude Equiano hears about it and decides to do something about it. And in the tr in the trial that takes place of this insurance thing, uh, we hear evidence in the trial that there was one of the Africans who managed to, to grab hold of a rope that was hanging from the ship and survive and pull themselves back up. Now, immediately I'm like, okay, who's that person? Okay, I've never heard of that part. That's amazing. Yeah, it's in the transcript. The yeah. first mate says, yeah, one of the Africans who was thrown into sea grabs hold of a rope. There's a rope hanging from the ship. They hold onto it and pull themselves back up and it's discovered the next day so immediately i'm like who's that who's that person and what and what strength must that take and then also we find out in the course of the trial that one of the africans they say spoke english and spoke on behalf of the rest of the africans to speak to the the crew 
to try and get them to, to, to stop killing. Yeah. So again, I'm like, well, who's that person? Why do, why do they speak English? How do they speak English? What was it about that person which made the rest of the community say, listen, you are going to speak on behalf of us. In yes. our story, it's a woman. And what was it about her that made the community say, auntie, you, you can represent us, you can speak to us. I want to know about those people. Because okay. we, we know about the abolitionists. We know about the yep. people who, who did all that. We know about some of the people who did all that. Because actually, mm-hmm. at, at the same time, there was a strong black community in London, they all got together just a few years prior to the William Wilberforce's and the Thomas Clark's and so we kind of know about forming the abolitionist movement. The black yeah. community, the Sons of Africa community got together slightly before that. So we were active in that time. And I, for me, the story is about honoring those two groups of people. It's a story about our strength and our power and the ingenuity displayed throughout those experiences which to me I think can tell us a lot about where we are now. I love it I'm being inspired just listening to you explain it actually because it's like another take on probably what is really needed in Britain and for black British people to be re-inspired by our place within this society and what we can do. Coming around you're coming around you're coming around you might get there yet. (laughs) I'm excited to see I mean I am I kind of came across the song from George C. Wolfe and his yeah. um, The Coloured Museum. And yeah. that was how I heard about the song and kind of yeah. researched it that way. So I'm interested to see your take on it as well. This is really interesting. You know, when I was researching, there was so much of it, oh, as always happens in our history, which is just faceless, nameless, mm. homogenized group of numbers. Yes. Actually, if you really look, there's a huge amount in the historical record that we know about our people and what they experienced prior to arriving in the Caribbean or the Americas. We know what, what people were like on the West Coast of Africa. We know what they sounded like. We know what they looked like. We know what, what religions they were. We know a lot of information. So for me, it's about also celebrating and honouring that as much as it is about the atrocities which we're kind of familiar with. For me, it's about going, how can I use music in this story? How can I use our music and and the music of the West Coast of Africa to to also tell this story and to sort of celebrate what? Without the strength of those people, I would not be sat here now. Yeah. For me, that's an important thing. I need to to answer that and honour that. For me anyway, that's an important part of my journey. How has this process been? So you're co-directing it, you've written it, you're starring. All of these different roles that you have within this play, how is that? How, how are you managing your, your days with all of these hats? Well, to begin with, I was only wearing one, which is writing it. I was yeah. like, let me, let me get all this information together, all the facts I can find about this stuff verbatim, and then just try and put a piece of theatre together. Then... I met Tom Morris, who heard about the story and wanted to work with me. So we began working on it. And then we had a couple of workshops. And in one of the workshops, I just read in for one of the parts because someone else wasn't there. And then after that, he was like, you know, you have to play Alaudo Quiano when we, when we do this because you, you, know, you know it, it's in you. So then, okay, fine. Then in lockdown, we, we were supposed to do the production in Bristol in 2020. And then it, right. it, it didn't happen. So we did a radio version and okay. for the BBC. And in the radio version, because obviously we're just on the radio, it's just mics, this is voices. Tom was there, but I was more guiding the actors in terms of, of what they were doing. So at the end of that, Tom said, we need to co-direct this together. 
<laughs> so it kind of it kind of just happened. But at that point, I'd kind of written it, so it was easy for me to kind of put that writer's hat down and kind of go, now let's just work on on the kind of the directing the performance. But for me, you know, I come from a tradition where the writing of a thing and the performance of it or the presentation of it it's all one thing it's only very recently that we kind of divide it all up and say you're yeah. the director and your thing to me I, I, you know i've always been the performer who i write my own work and i present it so it's something which in my head i'm quite used to but i think you know it, it helps the fact that i've done a huge amount of the writing before i then thought about performing it or directing it okay all right, so describe your life right now in a sentence. My life is peaceful. Last year, I, I had three weeks off, the whole of last year. I was thinking about this the other day. I started off doing the New Year's Eve countdown at midnight okay. on BBC in front of everyone. At the yeah. same time, I was in Hamilton. I went back in Hamilton for about a month. Then we finished that and I went back and I went to Zong. We did Zong. Then I finished that and we did a workshop immediately for Othello. Then I had three weeks off. Then I came back and we went straight into Blues from Alabama Sky in like August. And then we opened Blues from Alabama Sky at the National. And the next day started rehearsals for Othello. So I was performing Blues whilst rehearsing Othello at the same time. And then we finished Othello on the 21st of January this year. So, that, so that's been my whole year. Oh my God. So at this point now, <laughs> and in the middle of that, there was the Jubilee thing. The Queen's Jubilee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somewhere in the middle of all that. So I've taken a, a month or two off and I've been there and gearing up for obviously now we're performing the song at the end of April, April 20th here at the Barbican. So my life, that's more than one sentence, but the word was peaceful. I've had a very, I worked hard last year. and Yes. I'm, I'm, um... <laughs> that, I can see the, the difference in having a little break, but then yeah. it's going to accelerate again for the rest of the year but you did a 2022 didn't you (laughs) yeah 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 and you know it's one day at a time and when we're living in such crazy times now I'm like okay what's today I want to check in where I am today that's enough do you know what I mean and then tomorrow hasn't come yet so today talking to you here now about the work that we're doing I'm uh peace is is the word that I would use that's lovely so I mean you accomplished so much anyway but if there, do you have another love? Like, is there a plan B to your life that isn't involved in performance in all of its many avenues? Is there another stream of, you know, artistry that you would go into? Uh, artistry, no. I'm, I'm, I've got an idea for a book, um, okay. a novel. That I'm, that I've, and I've got a couple of artistic ideas, but something outside of yes. art. I never really had one, you know. No. I like outdoors. I like nature. I like gardening. I like I like nature. That's my thing. So, if I could think of anything, it would probably be. I've just me and my family have just. Um, my father's from Zimbabwe, was okay. from Zimbabwe, and uh, we have some land there, which well, I've just found out about. My grandfather had it. And it was there the whole time. And my uncles are now just saying, you young people need to do something. Yes. With this. <laughs> so yeah. that, is, that is kind of good for me. It's come at the right point where I'm thinking, okay, that's something which I could, I, I feel I could move towards. But I mean, for me, I do so much in my creative side that it fulfills a lot of my, it's not like I, I just um, act in, in theatre. I do a lot of stuff. So that kind of feeds, that kind of nourishes me. 
I think. I actually really love that you didn't have a plan B as well, because then it's just all or nothing, isn't it? You're just entering into the creative world and you're fine. Yeah, like my mum, you know, everyone always says, like, she used to say, you need a plan B, you know, what, you know, it's not reliable. You need to, you need a plan B because it's difficult. Yeah. And I never really had one, but that's just because I'm not particularly good at anything else. I can't make anything. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I can't build stuff. I can't, I'm academically, I'm not bright. Like I'm not a, a doctor or a scientist. So, so for me, my life is what it is. But then also my mum always said like, if God gives you a gift and you need to use it. Yes. So, and that, when she first said that, I was like, okay, yeah, yeah. But the older I get, the more I think, yeah, what are our strengths? What can we do? And that goes back to why I was attracted to the Zong story. It's about individuals going, what, and what can I offer? What can I contribute here now for my community or for my people? And I, I kind of move, moving much more, to, I'm embracing that more now. Yes. I was like going, okay, what have I been given? Not like, what would I like? or yeah. what I want, or what I always wanted to, I wish I could be that. No, 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 what have you got? And then how do you utilize that? And how do you use that? So I've kind of tried to lean into my groove of like, okay, this is where I am. I've been given these gifts for a reason, use them. Have you found that's come along like as you've got older? Like just actually really finding your rhythm of yourself? It's, there was a click. I don't know what you found, but there was a click when I got to 30 because it actually came at the same time when I lost my mum. So, you know, for anyone, it's always a big moment of just perspective shift. And you realise that life is short, potentially, and that nothing is really promised. Time is finite, and you've got to kind of work out what's important to you and what's not. So it kind of focused me, and that's when things started to shift, really. But then also, it's like... As an artist of colour, like people often say to me, you do such, you know, different things and you're always doing this and that. I'm like, well, that's from necessity because if if the work is not there that I would I'm really interested in, I'm gonna to need to make up my own shit. I'm gonna to have to do my own stuff. Yes. <laughs> you're gonna be sort of pigeonholed in these kind of roles and opportunities which the industry or which society kind of is happy for you to be in. But yes. if you've got other stuff that you want to express you're going to have to, I'm going to have to come up with it. So for me, it was a kind of turning point of going, I'm not going to wait around for people to kind of give me stuff. I'm going to create my own stuff. So in one way, it's like, it's good that I'm, I like to do different things, but it's also a necessity which some of my white counterparts don't necessarily have to have that. Yeah, it's like sharpening your skills. Um, My sister has a a really good analogy for like any type of oppression and racism. It's like a stone that really, if we rub against it and and sharpen our knives against it, actually we we develop and become better. Yes. If we go against it and sharpen our skills. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's true. And and out of that, again, it's like, well, what can I do with what I've been given? So actually... My life in the like the last ten years or so has been like great because I'm doing what I want to do, and also in the in the in the process being able to hopefully like inspire other young people to do the same thing. So I think so. I think so. Just looking over your resume, I was like, wow. <laughs> well, you know, yeah, yeah, you do. You we're out here, and we've got to do what you can do. You know, I always think like I always tell young people like Hamilton, Lin Manuel was like 
I'm not seeing the stories, or I'm not having the opportunities that I want to get. I'm not seeing the stories told, so I'm going to tell it. I want to tell yeah. the story, and I'm going to do it. And it's not a, an easy sell of like founding fathers, finance, hip hop. It's not, and yet look at it now. I right, switching gears now. What's made you sad, mad, and glad this week? I mean, sad. Take your pick. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because. That, you know, the way the way that our government is responding to basic human rights, basically, I think what all the things that are in our papers have in common, in our headlines have in common, rights about race or rights about gender or rights about yeah. immigration. Like, and and our, the way that our elected officials are responding to basic human rights makes me incredibly sad. It also makes me mad. What makes me... Glad. I'm glad... Can I say that I'm glad we just started rehearsals this week for this play, The Meaning of Zong. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. And I'm always glad to be in, and don't take for granted, being in the room with people. Now we are talking, we're in two different places. Since lockdown, that's what happens. But I'm glad that we're, I can be in the same room with my fellow storytellers, my fellow actors, and we can kind of gather to tell this story that um, we feel really passionate about. Just, just being able to be in a room with people and to create. I'm very happy. I haven't done that. Like I say, I've been off for a couple of months. <laughs> I mean, I had, a, I had a crazy 2022, yeah. but it's been a little while now. So I'm, and I, I try not to take that for granted. Do you know what I mean? That we, we're able to do what we do. And also, it, you know, this story has been through a couple of um, versions and productions and stuff. And we've been on the radio and then we performed in tour last year. And there's always someone new that comes to the production. And that yeah. always brings a new energy to it. So I'm, I'm grateful as well as glad for that. Oh, thank you so much, Charles. Thank you for talking to us. This has oh, been brilliant. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Much, so much good. love. <laughs> Have a good one.